Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Well, welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm Meredith Steidler, and I am super pumped to have you here with me right now celebrating this podcast's 50th episode. We just turned one year old on July 1st. And recently, we had a listener named Ashley email us, and this is what she said. I listen to your podcast each week and have enjoyed the guests and topics you've covered. As a mom and kids' church director, all you've shared is very helpful. Thank you, Ashley, for encouraging us in this way. This truly speaks to our hearts because that's exactly what we're here for. We're so eager to keep introducing you to guests who will speak into your life and help you bring Jesus to the kids in your circle of influence in simple, easy, and fun ways. So today, you're going to hear from Jeannie Cunyon. She's a best-selling author, a wife, a mama, and she's got lots to say on parenting a wholehearted child with tips that can help each and every one of us, whether you're a grandparent, aunt, uncle, even a Sunday school teacher. I know that you will reap a lot from this. You'll also be tempted to take notes. The information she shares is really just that good. So many great nuggets. But I've done the note part for you. You can check out our show notes at Bible2school.com and then be prepared to share this episode. I've already let some of my friends know it's coming. So let's go ahead and jump into our conversation with Jeannie now. Well, welcome, Jeannie. We are so blessed to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to join you. You're an author and a speaker, and you do that across the nation. And your work has been featured, for all listeners who don't know, on the Today Show, on Fox and Friends, and Focus on the Family. And I love how you're just influencing so many people for Jesus, Jeannie. But before we get into that, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So my name is Jeannie Cunyon, married to Mike. We have five boys who range from kindergarten to college. So wow. we are <laughs> we are in every season. <laughs> we have a kindergartner and a seventh grader and a ninth grader and an eleventh grader. And then our son Andre, who joined our family from an orphanage in Haiti, is a junior in college at Lipscomb University in Nashville. And so we have full hands, <laughs> but full hearts. Truly, as you you and I were talking before the podcast began, and it is a hard job. It is a holy job, but it is the best job. What an honor it um, is. to have God entrust these boys to me. And so um, I'm an adoption social worker by training. That was my background for, I don't know, 12 years. That's the work I did before I felt the Lord leading me to push pause on that work and begin writing just writing what I was learning as a daughter of the King who felt terribly incapable of raising my children. And that was around the time when my, I had three boys at the time who were five, three, and one. Wow. The Lord just had a whole lot to teach me about his grace. And so it was at that point in my life that I did pause that adoption work. And I just really began to dig into 
scripture about what is the grace of God? We hear a lot about the grace of God, but what is that? Act- and this was back, think about this. What I love about the season that we're in, in the church right now is that we hear about grace a lot, right? We're talking we about do. grace, we're preaching yes. grace, mm-hmm. but that was not the case 13, 14 years ago when I began to maybe more like 10 years ago, when I began to be curious about the grace of God, that just wasn't the case. We Mm -hmm. weren't talking about it a lot. There weren't songs about it. There wasn't teaching about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful that the church is really teaching on the grace of God and helping parents realize that there is grace for us and grace for our kids. Oh, absolutely. And the grace of God is so refreshing and and it's so countercultural as well. So we're going to be talking about that, but I'm going to ask you, Jeannie, like, What makes you tick? What is the passion that you have that drives your ministry? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. It is. It's him. I'm just so grateful. You know, I'm so grateful for what he has done for us, that he loved us enough to rescue us and that he puts his spirit inside of us. And he is my passion. So what I do, what I post, what I say, you know, it's interesting. I'm a preacher's kid. And one of the things my parents did for me, and I've done it for my boys, is they gave me a life verse when I was young. The life verse was uh, an Isaiah, here I am, send me. And that has really stuck with me and carried me. You know, I've just kind of lived my life from that posture of here I am, send me. And when he sends me, I stumble, right? I'm a sinner. So I'm a child of God who (laughs) sins. Let me say that differently. And so to say that, he's my passion and that that's how I'm driven doesn't, doesn't suggest that I, I've figured that out perfectly. It's almost, it's really birthed out of this deep awareness of how much I continue to need him every day, that just because I love him and, and it's him who drives me, inspires me, doesn't mean that I've, I'm doing it all right. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just grateful. And I want my kids to know more than anything in the whole world. I just want my kids to know the love of Jesus that changes everything. And if I've given them that, I've given them everything they need, because if they have their eyes on him, he is going to lead them. He is going to guide them. And so my main job as a mom is just to be like, hey, eyes on Jesus and life is better with Jesus. And I can't control whether they accept that or receive that or walk in that, right? That's the hard part as a parent is to release the outcome of our effort to God. But that is what matters more to me than anything is saying, hey, eyes on him. That's where life is found. That's lovely. I really enjoy that because I feel the same way. I had three boys and they all are in their 20s. And so I've quote unquote launched them. Mm -hmm. But it is lovely to hear that you're just wanting them to blessing and releasing them into into God's arms because they choose what path they're going to take. That's but we've right. done our job telling them, hey, there's there's grace and in Jesus Christ. Yeah, yep. us, us as sinners. But you know, you've written multiple books, but and Bible studies encouraging women and moms and parents everywhere. But one book in particular is a book that really intrigued me with a title, especially. So I would love for you to share your thoughts on today on parenting the wholehearted child. I would love to know what that means. Tell us more about this book. So it's interesting because that was my first book. So that came out back in 2014. And that was the book I wrote in response to God asking me to pause my adoption work because he had some work to do in my heart around his grace. Parenting the wholehearted child was really birthed out of what I discovered, which was my primary focus as a mom at the time was teaching my kids the law of God. I was very rules driven, very, this is what God says, and this is how we're going to follow it. And that's mm-hmm. the laws of God are beautiful and right and true. And we have to teach those to our kids. It's where life is found. 
But through the writing of Parenting the Wholehearted Child, what he revealed to me was that you have to build on my love and then they'll want to follow my law. But if you start with my law, they haven't discovered my love. And it's my love that inspires all of us as adults, as children. It's knowing the love of God that makes us want to follow the law of God because we're so wrecked by what he did for us. So when I realized that God loves me the way he loves me, that he sent his son to rescue and redeem me and that, and that there is new and fresh forgiveness and mercy for me every day, then I want to follow the law of God. Mm. That was the big lesson for me. And so what is a wholehearted child? It's a child who knows God's love for them, that the foundation is built on a child who knows God's wholehearted love for them. Because I think what a lot of Christian parents do, and I'll raise my hand, it's what I was doing and I can easily fall back into it is we're so focused on teaching our kids how to obey God, how to do what God calls us to do. We're so busy trying to produce the fruit of the spirit in our kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I did. I had a, I literally had like a, this beautiful thing on the refrigerator with like the name of the fruit and the Bible verse that goes with the fruit and the ways that we can produce the fruit. And it was like, well, first of all, we don't produce fruit in our own lives and we sure as heck can't produce fruit in our kids' lives. Right. It's called the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of Jeannie, (laughs) not the fruit of my son. It's called the fruit of the spirit. And so it's good and right to teach our kids about the fruit of the spirit, but to think that we can produce that in them is not in alignment with what the word of God says. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. And so I need to teach my kids about who the Holy Spirit is, the one who takes Mm -hmm. up residence in us and makes us more like Jesus as we yield to his leading and his guiding and his authority in our lives. And so that's what the book is about, really. How do we parent in the grace that God has first shown us? And how do we trust God? Because it's an act of trust, right? We're trying Mm -hmm. to produce these things because ultimately, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, God, I don't trust you to produce this in my kids. And so I'm going to work really hard to produce it myself instead of, I'm going to make sure they know how you love them. I'm going to make sure that you, they know that you created them for a purpose on purpose Mm -hmm. with a purpose. I'm going to make Mm -hmm. sure that they know that the best life is found within the guardrails that you have established for us. And then I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do in their lives. And so that's basically what it's about. It's a very practical book. It was written when my kids, like I said, were five, three, and one. And so it's very much about those earlier years. How do you establish that foundation of grace-based parenting? I think the probably the most important message in that book is mm-hmm. wanting people to understand what grace is and what grace is not. Because grace is not, Jesus loves you, do what you want, you know, right. no discipline, no boundaries, no training, no instruction. That is not grace. Grace is unconditional love, right? God mm-hmm. loves us on our worst day and our best day. That is grace. And so how do we weave the unconditional love of God into how we establish rules, into how we discipline, into how we train, into how we give consequences, right? Because God disciplines those he loves. So true, right? It's not the Mm -hmm. absence of those things. It's weaving God's love into those, the message of God's love into those things, rather than parenting with shame, rather than parenting with condemnation, rather than parenting in anger. It's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? Scripture says, and so as a mom, how do I reflect the Lord's kindness in the way I discipline so that they will be led to repentance? I love that. One thing you you touch on in this book about being perfect, like being having to be perfect and almost saying we're deserving that love because we're perfect or being perfect and earning that love. And when we model that as a parent, 
of expecting perfection or like you said on the the fruits of the spirit i, I had to laugh because you know I, i'm guilty that i'm like oh my gosh well they, they need to be kind and they need to be thankful and they need, you know they need to be all those things and i'm watching to see if they're doing that in the world and honestly that's more of a reflection on me right. than it is on them and right. and the holy spirit so we kind of kind of make idols of ourselves kind of like a little little perfect little people running around that the truth Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. What would have happened if Adam and Eve would have never sinned? To imagine the earth without sin is like imagining having heaven here on earth. Heaven is without sin, and the Garden of Eden was originally without sin as well. But if Adam and Eve would have never sinned and therefore did as God commanded them to do in Genesis 1:28, which was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth then we would be enjoying god's creation and relationship with him in a much different way tell me when we're talking about culture you know why do you think there's so much pressure to be a perfect parent in this imperfect world well i think a lot of it is actually birthed out of good intention, right? That we love these kids so much. Mm. So we want to get it right, right? Mm. Like I love these boys so much. I want to get it right for them. I don't want their story to be, oh, my mom, let me tell you all the reasons, right? Like (laughs) I want to get it right. So a lot of it is birthed out of just this, I love you. I want to do right by you, right? Mm -hmm. I want to give you a, a life filled with love and all the things that God brings into our lives. But, and then, but it's also, it's also tainted with what you said. It's this, when you're, behaving perfectly. My life is easier, right? So I don't <laughs> yes. like your sin because it's annoying to me and it disrupts my peace. I don't like your sin and your mistakes because it makes me not look good. I don't want to look good at like, I want to look good as a mom. And so when you're like, you were saying when, when yeah. you're at school or you're at a friend's house and you're X, Y, Z, then maybe that makes me look like a bad mom. Like there's, there's all the mm-hmm. other things that kind of get tangled into the good motives. And so it's complicated. And I also believe that there's this pressure and it's not so much in the church as it was before, but there's this pressure to keep God happy with us in the way we parent our children. And that was a pressure I felt. Mm. I wanted to please God by being a perfect parent. I thought God was more pleased with me Mm. by how well I could parent the kids he entrusted to me. So instead of knowing and recognizing that I am covered in the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and when God Mm -hmm. looks at me, he sees the perfection and the righteousness of his son, and that I cannot earn his love any more than I can lose his love through my behavior true, or how I perform as a parent. And so there is immense freedom in realizing that God is not disappointed in me, but God does want me to come and confess and repent and receive the refreshment so that I can be a better reflection of his love in my kids' lives. There's immense pressure to be perfect and there's immense pressure to to raise perfect kids. But when we remember that we are not Jesus and we are not raising Jesus, and so it's going to be messy because I cannot be perfect. There was only, as I tell my kids all the time, there is only one perfect parent. It is not me and it is not your father. It is Jesus. He is your perfect parent. And so every time I mess up, it's an opportunity to remind my kids that you do have a perfect parent. It's just not me. And so I'm so grateful for his grace. And I'm going to keep pointing you to him, not to me as your perfect example, because he is the only one who will never, ever, ever let you down. I'm going to let you down almost daily. 
no matter mm-hmm. how hard I try, because I love you so darn much, I'm going to let you down, but Jesus will never let you down. You and I want their eyes on him at the end of the day, not on me. And this is what that does. That gives our kids so much freedom to be mm-hmm. honest about the fact that they're not perfect. I will tell you, I saw an incredible change in the atmosphere in my home in those two years of writing, parenting the whole heart of child and, and learning more about the grace of God and my kids. There was deeper breathing, quite frankly. There was a new ability to be like, to confess their sin. Oh yeah, mom, I did hit my brother. There was forgiveness there, right? Mm. There was new freedom for them to be honest about the ways that they did the wrong thing or they messed up or they felt fragile because now I felt freedom. I no Mm -hmm. longer felt like I had to be perfect to keep God happy and and to ensure that they would be kids who made good choices or followed God. It was no longer dependent on my performance. And well, that's kind of exhausting, isn't it? Exhausting. As a parent, yeah. To I try mean, to parenting is exhausting as it is. So to try to be perfect <laughs> and raise perfect kids, like mm-hmm. you know, the memo's out. Like, nope, we're not perfect unless you're Jesus or raising Jesus. It's going to be messy. Mm-hmm. And so every mistake, every mess up, is an opportunity to remember that there's one perfect parent, and we want our kids' eyes on Him, not on us. I love that. And one thing too, as a parent, I know for for my husband and I, when we make mistakes. We tell the kids, you know, we, we made this mistake and, you know, we're sorry. And we ask their forgiveness as well. And that shows, you know, well, wow, mom and dad aren't perfect either, you know? That's so right. it, it really is a, a great thing to model in your, in your house that you're not perfect That's as well. Right. Yep. <laughs> now you have all boys, like I said, all, I, and I have three boys as well. You have five boys. I have three. You're my hero on that one. Cause I don't <laughs> know if I could do two three more. And five, it's all the same. I we're love all drowning. My, I love my boys, but there was just a, a lot of activity going on. Yes. They did not sit around and, and do crafts and do little beads and things like that. Um, no. They they were active. So I always feel bad for the people who sit behind us in church. Like, <laughs> they're, they're moving and they're touching each other. They're bumping into each other. They're getting up and going to the bathroom. And I was like, I'm so sorry. We're so distracting. But oh, I love it. Well, with your experience as a parent, what is the most challenging and rewarding part of parenting for you? Big, broad question there. Yeah, the most challenging. I think to actually, to trust God with the kids, he's entrusted to me. I mean, I have to, I repeat that all the time to myself, Jeannie, Lord, I trust you. It's like, I have to say it to to make me believe it and live like it's true. Because it's so easy to try to take things back into my own hands when I see my teenage boys making certain decisions or I see, you know, like I just, we want to control their choices. We want to control the atmosphere. We want to believe that we have more say than we actually do. And it's really an exercise of trusting him through prayer, like to just to recognize that my greatest, my greatest parenting tool is prayer. It's not the books I read and the tips I put, you know, the tips I take in and the things I put in place, although all those things can be good and helpful. The biggest challenge daily is just putting them back into the Lord's hands and saying, they belong to you. They are yours. And I trust you with the kids you've entrusted to me. And then really parenting like that's true um, is kind of a daily, a daily release. And then rewarding their presence is rewarding to me. Like I just love their presence. You know, I just love not every day, <laughs> not when it's hard and they're, you know, but in general, I just, I, I like being a mom and watching God grow these boys and to raise these boys, to, to be able to partner with God in that work is so immensely rewarding. Even when things don't look like I want them to look, just what an honor 
that he entrusted these guys to me who just make me laugh and whose games I love to go sit on the sidelines of. And, you know, as they, it's interesting because now that we have a college student and two high school boys, you really do realize how incredibly fast it goes. We have the delight of having a kindergartner. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, just, I just want to take it all in because I realize I'll blink and he'll also be, you know, trying to go to college soon. There's a lot of, again, I I always go back to the freedom that I think God wants us to experience as parents, because I think it's that pressure to be perfect that steals so much of the joy and so much of of the adventure that I truly believe God wants us to experience in our parenting. So if the enemy can get us to believe that it's all on us and Mm. if we have to get it all right for our kids to turn out right, and if we get it wrong, our kids will turn out wrong. And if, if the enemy can convince us of those things, then we lose the joy. Yeah. And we lose the adventure. And then our kids don't see in us the joy and the wonder that comes in trusting in God, right? They've got to see that in us. Right. Not perfection. You mentioned prayer as, you know, your best weapon, your best tool to for parenting. And I found that that changes me more yeah. so than it. And I'm not sure, it, I know it changes them, but it changes me and my attitude and that that joy comes out because I got my eyes on God. I don't got my eyes on what should be or could be or would be. I got my eyes on what is and what God is providing. So yeah. I love that. That perfection is something that we, it just kind of creeps into our lives. We get our eyes on Jesus, but then our abilities, because we have great, some great abilities is what I'm hearing you say, we tend to take over from God. <laughs> yeah. And we start to rely on our own, what we bring to the table. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's good stuff. So I, I did want to kind of wrap up here a little bit and ask you, we have, we have not only have parents listening, we have grandparents, we have aunts, we have uncles. We have lots of people that are influencers in children's lives that listen to You Can't Tell the Children. And about talking to kids, like, so what would you say to a child that came to you and said, well, I I need to be perfect to be loved by God who thinks that way. How would you have a conversation with that child, Jeannie? I would tell that child that Jesus was already perfect on their behalf, Mm -hmm. that Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself, that Jesus (laughs) loved you enough to leave the throne, to take on flesh and to live that perfect life that Jesus knows exactly what you're tempted by. Jesus endured temptation, but he never kneeled to it, that Jesus did that for you. And so, and Jesus wants to cover you with his perfection. And then he wants to put his spirit in you, help you follow him to help you live a life that looks like him, but stop trying to do what Jesus already did for you. It's impossible and it's exhausting. So know Jesus, he, he did it all. He didn't leave anything left undone. So know that he was perfect on your behalf. Know that when you put your trust in him, he covers you with his perfection. He puts his spirit in you and God loves you unconditionally. If we can get that message to melt kids' hearts, we've done our jobs. Yes. Because when our hearts are melted by the gospel, by the word of God, the infallible word of God, it gets to work in us. It it does the work. God's word does the work. But we need kids to know that Jesus did it. Jesus did it all. And if that can melt their hearts, you know, the spirit's going to run with the rest. Amen. I love that. Jeannie, thank you so much for your time today, for being with us today and talking about perfection and and how Jesus did it all for us as we surrender all to him. Would you mind praying for us today as we end? I'd love to. Father God, we um, give you thanks for your word. We thank you that everything we need is in your word. We thank you that um, your spirit brings it alive for us as we read it. 
And I thank you, Jesus, for um, each parent, aunt, uncle, caretaker, anybody who plays that role in somebody's life that's listening today. I pray that you would just give them a fresh revelation of your grace and your love, that they would know that what they get right and what they get wrong does not determine who their children become, but that you are a sovereign God and that you chose us to speak into the children that you have entrusted to us, but that ultimately we can put them back into your hands and trust you with them. So I pray that you would help us breathe in that grace and live out that freedom today, knowing that Jesus paid it all. And we just love you so much. We thank you for just being such a good and faithful father. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I am leaving this conversation feeling so relieved. I just love how Jeannie reminds us that Jesus was perfect on our behalf so that we don't have to be. As parents or caretakers, the pressure to raise these fruit-producing children, it's off our shoulders. The only way good fruit is possible is by teaching these kids to focus on Jesus. And then, then the hardest part, releasing the outcome of our efforts to God. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Jeannie, for this reminder. If you loved what Jeannie had to say in this episode as much as I did, head on over to our show notes at Bible2school.com. You'll also want to join our conversation. We always love to hear from you. You can subscribe to our podcast and blog, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bible2school. If this episode has impacted you, as I'm sure it has, go ahead and share with a friend or two or three. And don't forget, stop in here next week with me as Corey interviews Walt Mueller on how marketers are targeting our children and then how we can teach them to filter these strong messages. And until then, enjoy your newfound grace in parenting. And remember, you can tell the children about the great love of Christ.